Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man in the Post Extra Time. Uh, as ever, I am Chris, and back this week, away from Joe and his half-cut predictions that did me no good whatsoever, I've got uh, Mark, who's back. Hello. I've got Emma. Hi. And we've got two special guests on the Sunday show. We've got Colin. Hi there. And Greg. Good evening. How are we? Not too bad, thanks. Nice to be on on a Thursday. There you go. You're on nice the, change. Yeah, you're on the underground show. Yeah, I feel hipster already. <laughs> There's no hipsters on here. <laughs> Apart from Mark, who tweeted a picture of Plan B last night. Mm. Um, first of all, before we d- d- talk about why Colin and Greg are on the show tonight, I had some homework from the Sunday show, and that was how many times has Steve Bruce been sacked in his managerial career? Uh, so I've been on the Bible that is Wikipedia and got the answer, and I'm just wondering if anyone can um, shout a number out and... and Maybe some clubs. Sunderland? Yeah. Wigan? No. Oh. Palace? No. Sheffield United? No. Birmingham? No. Who else has he managed? No tight Norwich? No. He's managed Norwich, is he? I don't know, has he? I don't think so. He played for them, didn't he? He played, yeah. I think you're missing the one club he hasn't. You, you've not guessed. This is going back, when This is 14 years ago. So Emma might not have even been here. Did he manage Man City for a bit? No. They are currently, I think, a championship club. Blue and white stripes. Wolves? Huddersfield. Oh, Huddersfield, there we go. So two is the answer. Um, right, we're moving on to the reason Colin and Greg are here. Now, you both want to talk about the situation at Leeds. Um, from what Colin's saying, Massimo Cellini has failed the fit and proper persons test, which even Faxin Sinawatra passed. So he must have really been dumped on to have failed that. So Colin's going to talk about that, how it relates to Leeds, and then Emma and Greg can talk about how that might be a little bit unfair if you're a Pompey fan. So if you guys want to go ahead. But if you give us a background, Colin, of what's happened, first of all. Yeah. So so the reason I, I, I pushed to get on extra time this week is just to... You to, want to be with the to, cool kids? No, I wanted to vent my anger. And I thought, what better place to do it than extra time? Because what's happened recently, I, I think, is wrong. And what's happened is that Massimo Cellino has been... has failed, shall we say, the owners and directors test that's put in place by the Football League. And this is to uh, essentially stop bad people from running football clubs, okay? And this relates to, I won't go into too much detail, but it relates to unpaid tax on a yacht um, for which he's not officially been found guilty of in Italy yet because their legal systems are a little bit different to ours. It's sort of, you get three strikes and you're out. So you get three trials and you're out. And he's only had one and he was found guilty on that. But you can go another time and represent yourself and then you can go a third time. Um, And it's the third time that's the important one. Um, And as it currently stands, the Football League are saying that uh, Massimo Cellino can't be the chairman or the guy who pulls the strings at Leeds United, um, which leaves Leeds in a little, little bit of limbo because there's essentially nobody else to, to do that job. And the reason for my anger is if Massimo Cellino is such a bad guy, what about all the other bad guys that are out there? 
including bad guys who are still involved in my club, which is Leeds United. So Chilino possibly maybe a bit of a dishonest character, but we've also got GFH Capital in there, who own 25%, who are extremely dodgy, who bought the club and have never put any money into it. And also hanging around like a bad smell is Ken Bates, who, although not officially, in essence, does own Ellen Road. So is your anger with the fact that you've got someone like Cellini owning your club or the fact that the FA has stepped in and said, well, he's bad, and you're thinking, well, what about all the others? Well, there is that, yeah. There is that. And, and also, I just think that um, this is another side to the Football League, and this is where I think Greg and Emma will have a lot of experience of this, of what I would regard as not a fit and proper organisation to look after the 72 clubs in the Football League. Um but how they've made this decision on who on the owners and directors says I don't know. It it doesn't stand it doesn't have any sort of legal argument. Okay, and, and Cellino is gonna appeal. Um but they, it's they just, changed the rules somewhat a little bit, didn't they, about a year or so ago. And I suppose somebody's gotta be the first to fall foul of them. And it could be said that while it's not great for your club and you can look around and say, What about all the others? Well at least the system is now working. One point I would say is that the chief executive of the Football League is a guy called Sean Harvey, previously of the parish of Leeds United, who was the chief executive of Leeds United when they sold to GFH, who would fail the owners and directors test. They are not fit and proper. Um, and he was in cahoots with he worked with Ken Bates. He worked for Ken Bates. Um, and this guy is the guy who oversees the Football League and all of these sort of doctrines that they pass. And he himself has, while he was at Leeds United, uh, lied in court under oath. He's overseen three administrations at different clubs. Um, and these guys, I don't think, are fit to be able to dictate who can do what in the Football League? And that's where my anger lies. All right, so what do you two think? Emma and Greg, you're both Portsmouth fans, aren't you? Who have seen your fair share of owners throughout the last sort of five, six years. Do you think Colin's got a point? You, do you think that any of your previous owners could have failed this test if this test was in place back then? Um, it, yeah, I, I think that we've had our fair share of run-ins with both the Premier League and the Football League over the matter of uh, owners who aren't fit and proper. Uh, only the, the last couple have fallen short of that um, of the Football League's fit and proper test, which I believe is different to the Premier League's one. But as Colin said, they're, they're an organisation which don't particularly um, look fit for purpose. If you take Leeds United, for example, there's all it's all well and good letting Massimo Cellino already pass the fit and proper test, which he has, if I'm... If, can you back that up, Colin? Yeah, that's correct. He yeah. must have at the start of the season. And now now to revoke that because of a court case which they were already aware of, just, seem, just I think it just symbolises what an inept uh, organisation they can be. This is an organisation who, um, after Portsmouth's first administration, after the whole uh, fake shakes and the Suleiman Arfaim uh, blunders that the Premier League allowed. They let a bloke called Vladimir Antonov take over, who's currently sitting in, I think, a Lithuanian jail for international tax fraud. Now, he was uh, allowed to buy the club, uh, passed the fit and proper person's test, and within three months was arrested. Now, the, um, the Football League reacted to this by, um, you know, obviously, he was stripped of his ownership status, had to relinquish all his assets, Portsmouth Football Club being one of one of those. Um, so we were ownerless um, with lots of debt, which we'd uh, acquired because we didn't have an owner. And they, you know, instead of being proactive and trying to help and protect one of their clubs, um, they slapped on a 10-point deduction, which then saw us relegated. Um, the second one, um, the second 10-point reduction, uh, was the result of... Um, an administration which was forced upon the club so that the 
Portsmouth Supporters Trust could take control of the club. And that is the only real um, example of good organisation that we've seen from the Football League if they chose the Supporters Trust as their preferred bidder. Okay. So um, I think that's uh, apart from <clears throat> apart from that, we've had a I think a lot of Portsmouth Football Club supporters I feel, feel they've had a bit of a rough ride from the from the Football if, League. If I could just interject before you move on, Chris, this <clears throat> this is the crux of my point. The Football League don't look after football clubs in the Football League. They look after themselves. And they come up with these stupid, crazy rules. And what they do is they punish clubs like Leeds United and like Portsmouth. Portsmouth, I can't remember, was it 2008 when you won the FA Cup? Yeah. Yeah. Six years later, you're in the fourth division, right? And And to be honest, if it had continued for much further, you could have been out of the Football League completely. There wouldn't be a right. football club if it continued any longer. I'm right. sure of that. The Football League did nothing for Portsmouth. They let they they just left them in the shit and they did nothing to stop it. In, in fact, they almost made it worse if you know by not getting involved, okay? And and similarly with, with Leeds and, and they've done it with other clubs and I'm sure they're gonna do it again. And and this is where my anger comes from, is that the Football League should look after football clubs and it shouldn't spend as much time as it does just picking on people saying, oh, this guy's a bad owner, this guy's a good owner, because there's so many bad owners out there. Um, I'll come to Ember in a second, but what, I'll just pick up something you've just said. You've said that um, it's up to the football clubs to, it's up to the, the football league to look after football clubs. If you look at the example of Everton, Mark's club, they're a pretty well-run team. They live within their means. They live within their budgets. And they're a club that looks after themselves. It's, is it not up to uh, football clubs to behave themselves and live within their means? But if you let any old cowboy own a football club, then it's up to them what they do with it. Uh, <clears throat> I think the, a good example of what happened at Portsmouth is uh, Sasha Geidemark, the, uh, the man who bankrolled all the, the success in the Premier League and the winning of the FA Cup. He wasn't he didn't have that much money. It was his dad's money that he was spending who was an international criminal in exile. See, now, we were... He was allowed to own the club. No, it brought success, but we were spending beyond our means. And that's where the likes of uh, Peter Storey, the old chief executive, and even Harry Redknapp need to take some responsibility that everyone knew that it wasn't sustainable. But it wasn't, it wasn't stopped. It was allowed to happen because your authorities allowed these people to own the football clubs. Now, if you look at what's happening at Portsmouth now, they've the Portsmouth Supporters Trust, who uh, their main idea is to make sure this never happens again and, and the club lives within its means. And now they've wiped off all the debt. They've, um, they're funding uh, a ground renovation. They've built new training grounds. And they've done this all with fans' money. And we're, we're living within our means. But if we were allowed to fall into the hands of another loan shark or a another another criminal then that wouldn't be the case so i think the footballing authorities do have a large part to play in who they allow to run their football clubs but you kind of say it as if we're allowed to you know if someone is allowed to take over if you you know you're a football club and you're run by the supporters it's up to you to say yes or no it's not really up to the fa to hold your hand is it they do i think if you're a part of an association like uh the fa the premier league or even the football league, then they do need to they do need to take some responsibility on who's representing the clubs that they're that they're letting compete in their leagues. Um, it's all well and good saying that oh, but the clubs need to take some responsibility. But if you're not if you're letting irresponsible people into those clubs, then I'm not sure what you can expect to happen really. Okay. I mean, the, the thing is, Chris, is that from my point of view, the frustration is that Massimo Cellino, whether he's a good person or a bad person, okay, he's pumping money into Leeds United, okay, and he's got slapped as being, let's call it, not fit and proper. Leeds fans have been screaming at the Football League saying GFH are not fit and proper when they ran our club. We said the same thing about Ken Bates. The Football League did nothing, yeah? And the guy who helped to broker the deal with to sell Leeds to GFH was a certain Sean Harvey, who's the chief executive of the Football League. Yeah, another guy who sits on that board is um, is the Oyston fella of Blackpool. You know, is that the sort of people you, you want making decisions on behalf of the 72 clubs? Um, you know, if you're going to say, oh, 
right, we've got good guys and bad guys, at least get the really bad guys, not the bad guys who are actually trying to run football clubs. And and as for Cellino, he is a football man, right? He, he run Cagliari for 22 years and, and helped them rise from Serie B into Serie A and to some sort of limited success. So he knows what he's talking about with football. He's not... He's not a football villain, and I feel that the football league, to some extent, are just picking on him, and, I, and I, it just stinks of bullying, really. Okay. And what do you reckon? You're a Portsmouth fan as well. Do you have some sympathy with Colin's point of view? I do. Um, and I think Greg touched on it really briefly at the end of what he was saying with that, about Portsmouth, but actually, without the football league... They've done a lot of things wrong in the case of Portsmouth, but without them, we still could potentially not be here. Right at the last minute of the trust taking over, a man called Keith Harris came in with a bid. And this had to be taken seriously by the administrators because it was going to be a better deal for for everyone. Well, for everyone who was financially needing money from the club. The Football League then turned around and said, absolutely no way you're not, you know, it's the trust or nothing. It's the trust or you're getting shut down sort of thing. So from that respect, the Football League have potentially been what saved Portsmouth, but going back through the years, they're also what allowed a, a big chunk of, of what happened at Portsmouth was allowed through the, through the Football League. So I think it's a case of you'll never be able to wipe the slate clean and we'll never be able to start again by, you know, saying all football clubs are now not owned and you have to bid on them sort of thing. But at some point you have to draw a line and you have to say, right, from here on in, we're going to be, this is how we're going to do it and we're just going to sort of sift out the rubbish. But I agree with what Colin's saying. I didn't realise about the figures on the Football League board, but I agree with what he's saying. If you can't, I don't think you should be on the Football League board if you've been involved with a club to that extent. You should surely somewhere along the line you should be neutral. Okay, Mark, you're like I said a minute ago. You're an Everton fan, and your club is uh, renowned for living within its means. And your mm-hmm. previous manager, David Moyes, didn't have a whole lot of money to spend and spent it quite frugally. Do you have any sympathy for these guys at all? Um, I do, yeah, because what what's happening is you're getting a lot of um, owners, whether they're from overseas or whether they're from the UK who just seem to be shysters one way or another. Their money comes from unorthodox means, perhaps, um, and how they run their own businesses doesn't really work with a, with a football club. You're not playing with a, a business that's your own. You, it, it's a totally different scenario that you're working with with a football club. It's not like any other business, really, no matter how, how people like to believe it is. Um but yeah, everybody's gambling on this, uh, you know, the the promised land of the Premier League. So you're getting people coming in who think they can make a fast book, who desperately need to fan the flames of their ego to do to to do so. So that's why you're getting the the problems that happened at Portsmouth, what's been going on at Leeds um, recently, and obviously several other clubs. Mm. Um, fortunately, and not not so many people agree with me, perhaps it's a bit of a, a hot topic at Everton, is we've got a, a chairman and a board of directors who are frugal because they have seen what has happened to Leeds and several other clubs and Portsmouth when you make two or three horrendous decisions. Hmm. And, you know, we've maintained a certain level of debt over a certain over 10 or 15 years while the current group of people have been in charge at the club. But what you want is a healthy, long-standing club to maintain its position and its integrity and everything else what you don't want to happen is for administration and everything else because very soon you'll find that there's the only assets you've got are the players and when the players have gone you can't replace them because you've got no money and you get the Portsmouth situation Mm. so um, I absolutely feel sorry for the supporters of both clubs um, but it, it, it absolutely is down to the Football Association who's fitting proper person's test for many, many years now must have been an absolute joke to have some of the crooks and uh, shysters involved, whether they're from the UK or from abroad. Okay, right. Well, do you all feel better after that? Yeah, I do. I just think that questions have to be asked to the Football League because I think 
they themselves should be looked at and we should as 72 football teams in the football league we should ask them if they're fit and proper and they've got a big test for themselves now because <clears> the supporters <throat> trust at Birmingham City have asked for um, the same steps that they went through to find Chilino mm. not fit and proper to, to look at their own board and say look apply the same rules to the people who are running Birmingham City because we don't think they're fit and proper so now the Football League have, have made a rod for their own back because Birmingham City in this case and I'm sure there'll be many more have said look I'm, I can't I, I can assume maybe Blackpool might do the same thing hey you've done it with Chilino now have a look at our guys because we think they're pretty nasty as well um, why can't you sort them out okay well look we've got to move on unfortunately uh, but do you all feel happy after that I feel I've got a lot out of my system, Chris. Uh, I, good. Think, I think it's good. Um, the Football League's corrupt. Well, thank you to Colin and to uh, Greg. They've disappeared now, so I'm left with Mark and Emma. So we're going to go through this week's Premier League matches. Um, Burnley won, Newcastle won. Burnley unbeaten in four. Cissé uh, with his fifth goal of the season. Um, they're doing right now, Burnley, aren't they? All right, they're putting a bit of a, a bit of a fight up. Um, which, you know, Dyche has, um, <clears throat> we all knew that it seemed that he was going to try and get them to come up and try and play good football and not just be the typical battling side who comes up and so on, but maybe that didn't serve them so greatly in the first part of the season. So um, I don't know, maybe something's changed in the last few weeks that they're doing differently. I haven't I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, they're starting to get some points. But They're not going to do a derby? Well... I mean, it depends how long they can keep this um, run of form going, isn't it? Mm. Um, Leicester won Liverpool 3. I saw this one. Uh, Leicester went ahead through a Mingle own goal, which is a bit odd. A shot hit the post, came back, hit him in the back of the head and went in the goal. And then Lallana, uh, Henderson and super Steven Gerrard, who hopefully will get his new contract on the back of this, saw mm. Liverpool win 3-1. Uh, yeah, I saw bits and pieces of this as well. Um, and there was a little spell in that mid part of the first half when Mignolet made that horrendous error that they could have scored, Leicester could have scored from. Yeah. And then they scored virtually straight after it, which wasn't his fault. But from what I saw after that, it was mostly all Liverpool. Home fans starting to turn. Wrong. Yeah, it was actually for the, for the most part, but the, more, uh, Wes Morgan red card as well. Uh, didn't help matters. He's not having a very good week, is he? Um, but the home fans are starting to turn on Nigel Pearson. He's told any critical fans, they're more than welcome to stay at home. Which is, yeah, he had some sort of falling out, didn't he, with a fan in the stand? Yeah, well, that'll win him, win him round, won't it? Mm. Leicester fans are quite fickle, I have to say. Uh, they don't hold back in getting on people's backs. It's another one of these things about um, expectations, isn't it? Like, for, for years, lots of clubs sack their managers, especially ones that come up and often come up unexpectedly or don't um, spend a whole lot of money and then when they're in a bit of trouble at this stage of the season the fans turn on them you know and it's uh, it, it always strikes me as a case of well, what what is it do you expect I mean it's not a case of Man United coming seventh like last season and, and you expect a lot better where do Leicester really think they should be at this point of a Premier League season where they bought maybe one or two players in the summer two points in 27 for Leicester we were discussing it a few weeks ago, weren't we, that whether Burnley were going to sack Dyche, and obviously it's now turned around that they didn't, and they're actually, I wouldn't say they're doing okay, but they've picked up some form. They're doing less badly. Less badly. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that goes to prove that sacking him was never going to do anything, and I think maybe sort of Leicester and, well, QPR can do what they want with their manager, no offence, Chris, but... <laughs> Well, no points away from home for QPR. It's not going to do... You know, it's not going to be the be-all and end-all is second the manager. No. Uh, yeah, no points away from home for QPR. He lost 2-0 to Swansea. Um, Manchester United 2, Stoke 1. Uh, three successive defeats now for Stoke, talking of sacking managers. <laughs> Mark Hughes is a popular man. I'm sure he's got a lot of sympathy from other teams. Mm. Um, he was an ex-Everton player, wasn't he? Well, he spent about a season and a half wrestling as many centre-halves as he possibly could. I wouldn't necessarily say he was a player. Fair enough. 
<laughs> he was yeah, he was a long way past his best when he played for Everton. Oh, was it? And as a former Southampton player, he's not got a lot of sympathy from you, then I suppose. No. Fair enough. David de Gea saved. Did you see this? No. This was something else. This was this was. Um, I'd say the ball was about two, three yards away from goal. Free header uh, comes straight down, and it's not as if the ball hit his arm. De Gea actually moved his arm into the way, stopped the ball on the line. Uh, and this was in the last minute or so, this was. Um, four straight wins for United, no Rooney or Di Maria. Um, but they go marching on. They're up into fourth now, aren't they? Only a point behind Southampton. They sort yeah. of, I feel like I've blinked and missed them coming back up the league. It seems like that, doesn't it? I feel the same. Mm, well, I think we've, we've said it a few times, and, and so have countless other people, I'm sure. There's There's the top two. And then there's probably going to be a group of four or five teams scrapping it out for third, fourth, fifth and sixth coming into the season. United are all, uh, pretty much guaranteed themselves to be one of those sides with all that money they've spent. But I think in another Premier League year, year if we've gone to last year, which I think was a, a much better league than it has been so far this season, I still don't think Manchester United would be close to the top four if they were playing in the league from last season. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's false. At this stage of the season, you are where you are. But if I was a United fan, I wouldn't be getting carried away just yet. Okay, okay. Well, hipsters across the country were um, crying into their beer, of course, as uh, Jedinak finished on the losing side for the first time in a little while as Palace lost 1-0 to Aston Villa, Benteke's first goal of the season. How many goals have Aston Villa scored this season? Nine. Emma? Seven. Oh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Both in between. Um, and then West Brom won West Ham 2, the Battle of the West, uh, Fred and Rose. Dawson's scored for West Brom, and then Nolan and um, Dirty Cheek Tompkins scored for West Ham, scored the winner. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday's games, Arsenal won Southampton 0. I watched this. You didn't watch this one, did you, Mark? But no. I have to say, they were quite... I wouldn't say they were poor. I think Southampton did what they needed to do um, to get the draw. Um, and I felt a little bit sorry for them. The last minute, a Sanchez goal. 14 goals this season. Um, I think I tweeted the other day that he must look round at who he's playing with this season and think I was with Neymar and Messi last season. Mm, Arsenal are a little bit like the Manchester United, I suppose, in, that, in how you said they've crept up there or Emma said that she must have blinked and missed it. It's a similar thing with Arsenal. They're there, they're there, but what have they done to be to deserve to be there? We, we've seen that Chelsea have been consistently strong all year. Manchester City seem to be, especially with Aguero in the side, they're starting to put some results together. But Arsenal don't seem to have set the world alight yet. No, not at all. Um, Chelsea 3, Tottenham 0. Uh, four clean sheets in a row for Chelsea as they march relentlessly on. Spurs haven't won in 23 games at Stamford Bridge. Who scored the winning goal for Spurs 23 games ago? Gary Lineker. Oh, you sports sport. Did you know that? Was that a guess? No, I knew that. Did you? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I seem to, seem to remember the goal as well, actually. Do you? Vaguely, yeah. yeah. What are you going to say, Emma? He's Mark's favourite player, remember? Oh, he is, yeah. No wonder you I've remember I've got every it. single goal of his catalogued in my mind. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, a hundred of them are all the same. So, yeah, the one I remember most is the '86 Cup final, and it all been in vain. All right, let's move on. <laughs> well, we we move on to your chap, shall we? Oh, do we have to? We do, we do. You um, quite happily, you very kindly gave Hull their first points in um, uh, since the middle of October. Well, it's obviously the coming up to the Christmas season. We let Soldado score his first goal in about six years, so. Uh, on Sunday against Tottenham when we were garbage and then we followed that up with just as poor performance against Hull who battled hard came not to just go for a point you know they they played a good tactical game but Everton were abysmal one win in five for you guys yeah it's not looking good the players look knackered Um, the Europa League thing maybe it's playing some part. We don't have a massive squad, so we can't rotate them that much. I'm trying to find excuses for them. We've got a few injuries. We've got a few players who obviously have only just come back from injury, like Morales and Barkley. But I'm I'm stretching how how much 
and Twitter last night was buzzing with Everton fans for the first time getting on Martinez's back it's because good. there is there is no plan it's obvious there is no plan B with Everton it's... and that's why I tweeted about plan B you calling me a hipster but, <laughs> yeah there is no plan B with Everton and now especially at Goodison op- opposing teams have worked out how to play Everton Tottenham did it brilliantly on Sunday uh, and Hull did virtually exactly the same thing last night it's too much made of the Europa League thing. Is there any difference in the Europa League playing Thursday and then Premier mm. League games on a Sunday? Is there any difference than playing um, games, European game on a Wednesday and then playing again on a Saturday? Which is well, what teams have done for countless years. Yeah, no, I think I think it's this. When you've got the Champions League teams playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then playing on the Saturdays and Sundays, you're talking about far and away the four richest clubs, that's how it's becoming, the four richest clubs who year upon year have the biggest and or the, the the biggest strength in depth squads in the league. So when they're rotating their squads, they're rotating their squads on Sundays or even for European games with equal quality. And they've got they've got twenty quality players. Now the Europa League teams who are just about good enough to get into the Europa League have maybe fifteen or sixteen players who maybe just a notch down from those Champions League. So you've got not only got worse players, but you've got a, a, a less strength in depth. So when they become tired, you've got less opportunity to rotate them and their energy levels and their ability levels decrease when they're tired. So it's not, as you say, the, the Champions League teams go through exactly the same process of playing twice in a week, but they've got better players and they've got more of them. And that's why they can cope better. With, because you, I mean, look at the teams who struggled in the Europa League in the last decade or so: Tottenham, Villa, Everton, Newcastle. The teams just below, that or the clubs, let's say, just below the Champions League clubs, who are Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, and in recent times Manchester City, richer, stronger, stronger clubs. Okay. Uh, we talk. Um, we talk about players getting tired, and I completely get that. But something that seems to have gone under a lot of radars is Roy Carroll, who is the Northern Irish Ireland goalkeeper. He played for them, I think it was on the Thursday night or the Friday night. He then was back in goal for his team, Notts County, on the Saturday on Saturday at three o'clock. He's played two games. I know he's the goalkeeper. He's not, you know, he's not out running about. But I do think too much is made of it. No, I really. You've still got travelling and you know that sort of thing as well. Yeah, Come, I mean, I'm, I've been somebody who travels a lot for work. It's a lot more tiring than you might imagine. I think what we're doing is we're using the the wrong description for the players of being tired. It's not tired. I think what it is that is that they play with and through niggles and injuries, and eventually that catches up with them. And I think that's the problem, rather than just being physically or mentally shattered, because. They won't train when they're going through a period of four or five consistent weeks of playing Sunday, Thursday or Saturday, Wednesday. I think it's what it is, is they, they just have knocks, pulls, strains and this kind of thing. I think that's what takes off the, ed- the edge of their performance, not necessarily that they've run around for 90 minutes because they're trained to run around for 90 minutes every twice a week. Always nice to get mentioned of Roy Carroll, the football that looks like Marquis Smith. <laughs> that's one, one for the teenagers <laughs> Marquis Smith Emma yeah I am I'm sorry that's revealed me Marquis Smith Emma nope no I'll have to ask Colin to get some fall music on or something uh, finally the final game was Sunderland 1 Man City 4 um, Sergio Aguero with 2 Zabaleta and Juvetovic after Conor Wickham um, gave Sunderland the lead Sunderland's first defeat in 5 which, again, is one of those things that sneak up on you, isn't it? Because you kind of assume they've had a pretty iffy season. Mm. And Aguero, 19 goals for the season so far. They'd be absolutely stuck without him, wouldn't they? Yeah, he's, he's superb. Best player in the Premier League? Right now, mm. no question. you think better than Di Maria and Sanchez's impact? Yeah, what what's good about Aguero is since he came to Manchester City, is apart from the odd niggly injury here and there, his his performances have never dropped, and they wouldn't be any even with Yara Turi on his top form, they still wouldn't be where they've got to for the last few years without him. 
Okay, well, that's the uh, Premier League review done. Premier League previews coming up shortly for this weekend's fixtures. Uh, a bit of news. Um, Cornwall's Matty Etherington of uh, West Ham and Stoke, etc., has had to retire, age 33. Um, so we've had a minute silence down here for him so far this week. Uh, former Portsmouth and Croatian midfielder Robert Prozanecki. Remember him, Emma? No. I know who he is, but I don't remember watching him play. Fantastic player. You remember him, don't you, Mark? Indeed I do. He's an excellent player. Yeah. Uh, he's now the head coach of Azerbaijan and has replaced Bertie Votes. Um, PSG drew with Lille last night. Cavani and uh, David Rosenhal, ex-Newcastle, um, scored for Lille. But they're now, after nine straight wins, they're now a point behind leaders Marseille. Remember Marseille had that run earlier on the season, didn't they, where they uh, won eight games in a row. Um Liverpool will begin work on Monday to increase Anfield capacity up to 59,000, which I thought didn't sound all that much. I thought they could at least get another 10,000 on that. There would be, um, you, would ha- you would want 70,000 oh, 70, people would want to come and watch them every week, would you not think? Possibly. Um, I think I don't know whether there are restrictions to what they can do uh, in the planning, but obviously they've made the area around Anfield like a bomb site for the last few years, haven't they? Buying up houses and letting it all go to ruin. Yeah, well, the, the final house has been purchased. I honestly think we missed a trick in not sharing with you. I know it's not a done thing in this country, but I think we should have should have done it. Common sense says yes, um, but it would never, ever have happened. No, it wouldn't have done. I think it's a shame that it didn't, but I think we should have done. Um, Napoli, has anybody seen Napoli's calendar for next year? Um, no. Emma? Sorry? I can't say how. You can't say how. It's not Rafa Benitez in swimwear, is it? You're not far wrong. Oh, good Lord. It's the first team squad, including Rafa Benitez, in gladiator gear. Gladiator gear. So imagine Rafa dressed as Russell Crowe. But in his... sounds like that old that sounds like that old gag on airplane, isn't it? <laughs> you know, do you like do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> uh, yeah, Rafa is dressed as a gladiator, holding a piece of paper with the tactics in his hand. Wow, I could see that going down a storm on uh, on the Red Alpha Merseyside, actually. I think so. I think there's still a few people that probably wouldn't mind seeing him like that, all oiled up. Bit of a bit of homoerotica for the Reds. Yeah, I did enjoy the. Um... Everton, twelve shades of blue calendar a few years ago. Twelve <laughs> shades of blue. I can't that. I can't say uh, that. It was graced my half naked. Who? David Moyes. Everton's players. No, he wasn't in it. Oh, well, it the Everton players. Years ago, maybe. It was all for a charity, so I felt like a purchase was necessary. We should do a mark. Who would buy that? You. <laughs> <laughs> So I would buy it and I'd be in it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Two people would buy it at least. Um, and a player's been beaten to death by an opponent and uh, rival supporters in an Argentinian third division game. Has anybody seen this one? Uh, I saw the headline for the story. I didn't read it though. You seen this, Emma? No. Uh, the match between Tiro Federal and Chacarita. Apologies for any mispronunciations. Uh, it was abandoned 10 minutes before the end of full time because of a fight between both teams which resulted in eight players being sent off. Uh, after the game was over, uh, poor Franco Nieto, uh, the, the captain of um, Tiro Federal, was attacked by several people including uh, a player from the opposing team, an assistant coach and a hooligan and was beaten to death. There you go. That's pretty extreme. I was going to say it's pretty extreme but of course it's self-explanatory that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think either of us are going to defend whatever's gone on there. <laughs> we can't get a lot out of that one. No. Uh, right. Now we move on to... Now we've done our Premier League review. We've now got our Premier League predictions coming forward for this weekend. Um, each week we uh, go through each and every fixture forthcoming in the Premier League and we predict whether it'll be a win, a loss or a draw for a particular team. Uh, every one we get right, we get a point. And Uberfura Ross has dictated that we now have um, a double points for predicting the correct score. So the other week, Mark got double points for predicting a one-all draw in the Milan derby. Who was at home that week? <laughs> Who? Oh, I'm not going to defend myself again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And Emma, who was so vehemently against this double points thing, ironically needs them now, and she's three points behind Mark. Mark has 52 points, Emma 49, and I have 42. So this week's double points fixture is uh, the Catalan derby, Barcelona versus Espanyol. I'm presuming Barcelona are high in the league and Espanyol are a bit further down. Must be. I know nothing about Espanyol except for Walter Pandiani played for them and I loved, I used to love Walter Pandiani. He was a great player. He played for Birmingham, didn't he? Yeah, he did, didn't he? I think he either came from Espanyol or went to Espanyol after Birmingham. I think he came from them. Mm. That's when they had Dugarry in their team as well, wasn't it? Mm, I think it was a bit after, maybe... It was around that time, wasn't it? That was when yeah. they went slightly hipster. They tried to do a Bolton, didn't they? Yeah. And Bolton have got Emil Heskey and Ida Johnson training with them. Wow. That's just what you need, isn't it? Yeah, we're not going to see them in the Premier League anytime soon, are we? No. <laughs> okay, there's a Barcelona Espanol, guys. What's your um, what, do you, what score do you think it's going to be? I have no idea how either of these teams are doing. I'm presuming Barcelona are doing quite well. Okay, I'm going to go for 4-0 to Barcelona. It is at the new Camp, by the way. I'm going to go for 3-0, Barcelona. Okay. I'm going to go for 3-0 as well. That sounds quite a good score. So we'll see how we do. Emma, you do need the points now, I'm afraid. Right. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, go on. So I did argue the double points. Mm. Well, you need them now. <laughs> uh, the early kickoff this week is Newcastle Chelsea. Uh, this is actually at St James's Park. Is this where the Chelsea bandwagon comes undone? I don't think it is. No, I think New- Newcastle are, are sort of playing in fits of starts in this in this little run they're on, where they've had a few wins and what have you. Um, they've had some sort of good performances and some games where they've played rubbish one half and well the second half I don't I don't think even playing at their best they're going to be able to turn Chelsea over so I'm going to go for Chelsea okay Emma yeah I'm going to agree and go for Chelsea as well me too slight environmental point where did Chelsea play last Saturday I don't know who did they play they were away at Sunderland and then Wednesday they were at home, and now they've mm. got to go all the way back up to the northeast again. Yeah, that seems a bit. I don't really know. My heart bleeds. Well, I know a bit of a carbon footprint issue. I thought. Hmm. I mean, th- that's. There'll be weeks where they probably play Tottenham, West Ham, and Arsenal within three weeks of each other, and they don't have to travel very far. But Newcastle have got to travel. All over the country, regardless of who they play. Oh, I'll stop hugging my tree then, shall I? At the end of the day, it's going to be the same. They've got to play every team, haven't they? They do. I just wondered if they couldn't no, play. They were playing at different times. It wouldn't even be an issue for you. That's true. So you're, what you're saying, Chris, is that they could have spent a, a week in a travel lodge between games. Yeah, or maybe they could have had three away games in a row. Could have played somebody else up north. Well, that's what they do in the States, isn't it? When the ice hockey teams or the baseball teams go on the road and play five or six games mm. out and about before they come back and play a home stretch. But they play 100 games a season and the country is enormous. I'm just thinking about the trees, man. You know. <laughs> Got more down for football pitches. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That's not a bad idea. Um, three o'clock games. Who are at home to West Brom, who have lost their last four? Mm, not looking good for West Brom. He's not. No. Hull are fourth bottom at the minute, and West Brom are fifth. Well, funnily enough, I've seen um, I've seen enough of both teams this season to think they're not as bad as all that. But Hull were pretty good the other night, and I think they'll get some confidence. And if they win, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the end of Alan Irvine. Ooh, that's a prediction. Do yeah. you think? I think if Hull win... I'd be surprised if he doesn't get if Irvin doesn't get the sack. Well, I'm sure you both listened to the Sunday show, didn't you, this week? Mm. Uh, I've been away, so I had to miss it. Oh. Did you listen to it, Emma? I was coming back from Tranmere. So I'm the only one that listened to it. Well, you missed the first episode ever where Adam actually made a salient and decent point. 
his point was that surely now is the ideal time to sack your manager because you're going to get to Tony Pulis first. He's then got a couple of weeks to assess the squads before buying in January. Good point. Um, somebody else could go down the route of sack their manager and they could be the first one to Claudio Ranieri. So That's true. Someone's <laughs> going to make that call right or wrong, aren't they? Yeah. For every Tony Pulis is a Claudio Ranieri. Uh, so what did you say? You went for Hull, didn't you? I'm going to go for Hull. All right. Emma, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm going to agree and go for Hull. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for a draw because I need the points. Um, Liverpool Sunderland at three o'clock. I'm going to go for a draw because <laughs> I just never know what Sunderland and what Liverpool are going to turn up. Yeah, that's true. Back to back wins though for Liverpool. Yeah, and I think I think I personally think we'll win on Saturday as well. I mean, Sunderland aren't. Again, they're they're a sort of a, a battling team, but you think perhaps Liverpool are going to put a little run together now. Liverpool have got a goal difference now of zero. They're, um, they're getting better. Just imagine if they had a forward line firing. Yeah, well, Aspas scored a four goal hat trick, a, a four minute hat trick this week um, on loan in La Liga. So he's got all his goals out of the way for the season, all in one game. Hmm. Uh, Emma? Who's he at now? Oh, God, I knew you were going to ask me that. I can't remember. I have no idea. It's like somebody like Rail of the Ada. It's not them, but, you know, someone like that. Yeah. Or Celta Vigo or somebody like that. That's where he came from. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. They're talking on the Sunday show about Liverpool maybe should have gone for, um, for Chikorito. I don't think United would have done any kind of deal with them. No, and that, that's a good question. Somebody posed this question a while back. Who was the last player to transfer between the two directly? Uh, ooh. I didn't. I don't know the answer. I didn't. Just somebody posed the question, and and I was racking my brains, and I I can never remember a player transferring directly between the two. Well, they wouldn't sell as their left back about ten years. Ago. They 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 wouldn't sell as Gabriel Ainsa. Yeah. Um. So there's no way in the world they're going to sell as a striker if they weren't going to sell as a left back. Exactly. What do you reckon? For the game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go for Liverpool as well. Are you? Yeah. yeah. You fools. <laughs> QPR Burnley. This is second bottom versus third bottom. Um, QPR are a little bit rejuvenated at home. They beat Leicester last weekend. They've done all right this Last few games at home, since they only just lost against Liverpool, uh, they've been pretty good at home. Burnley, like we said earlier on, unbeaten in four. Charlie Austin has scored seven goals so far this season. <laughs> that was supposed to get some kind of ooh from the pair of you, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go for QPR here. Good girl. I'm going to go for them as well. I'm going to go for a draw. Last year, I'm sure Burnley beat QPR. I think they beat, beat us 1-0. Possibly. But do you think QPR have improved more than Burnley so far? Um, I think they're starting to, yeah. I honestly feel we've got more chance of staying up than Burnley long term. Um, Sandro's out for the moment, which is quite a big loss. Thinking about it, but you've now got Zamora and you've now got Charlie Austin um, uh, starting to score the goals. You've got Corker and Richard Dunn at the back uh, playing to their individual strengths, and um, no Rio Ferdinand, thank God, which means that he's looking a little bit more solid at the back there. Mm. And Rob Green can't get rele- relegated again, surely. It's <laughs> currently one year where he stays up. He's the new Nigel Quasi. Now, I was going to say Neil Redfern. Yeah, both good shouts. And Ashley Ward as well. If you remember him. Mm. He was always getting relegated, wasn't he? Yeah. Incidentally, the answer to that question, the last person to transfer between either Liverpool and Man United was a guy called Phil Chisnell in 1964. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's not likely to happen now, then, is it? And apparently there's only been eight to do so. That's it. 
and only 10 players have ever played for both teams, allegedly. Well, the big coincidence in that, 1964, we started getting good after that, didn't we? To be fair, so did Man U. But they were already good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stoke Castle, right. Can Alexis Sanchez do it in a cold weekend in Stoke? Depends if Ryan Shawcrest uh, gets to him first. Yeah. The Aaron Ramsey derby. <laughs> Aaron Ramsey's gone back to being Aaron Ramsey now, hasn't he? He's had his 18 months of brilliance, and now he's sort of gone back to being as he was. I saw a, f- a picture of a flag on Twitter that somebody must have had at the game last night that said something like, Aaron Ramsey, you've had your time, but please go, you're an embarrassment. It was something absolutely ridiculous like that. That's not very nice. It, it was it was the most fickle, pathetic thing I've ever... Well, one of. I've been to Anfield. One of those pathetic <laughs> banners I've ever seen in my life. It is getting a little bit fickle there, isn't it? It is getting a little yeah. bit bourgeois as well if you're throwing red wine over people. Yeah. They had a similar banner for Arsene, didn't they? They did, didn't they? Thank you for everything, but please move on. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Um... Draw. You going for a draw, Emma? I'm going to go for a Stoke win. Are you? They're a bit of a bogey team for Arsenal. They are. Four defeats in a row, though, for Stoke. Yeah, they'll be all right. They'll be all right on the night. (laughs) You don't remember that programme, surely. (laughs) I'm going to go Stoke as well. Um, Tottenham Crystal Palace. The Chris Armstrong derby. Has anyone got any who thinks Palace could do something with this one? Can't see it. I can't either. Uh, I don't know, you know. Although Tottenham beat Everton comfortably, Tottenham they, they just didn't play great, but just Everton was that bad. And I think they played well for 20 minutes against Chelsea, which, you know, it's more than most people manage. But then they got put in their place. But again, they're... A little bit inconsistent for me this season, Spurs. It doesn't seem a place this season where you think, oh no, I've got to go to White Hart Lane, does it? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. Okay. Emma? I'll go for a Spurs win. You're going for a Spurs win. Okay. Actually, I'm going to change my mind, Chris. I'm going to go for Palace. Are you? I am. I'll be brave. Good man. I like your naivety. Stupidity, most yeah. people would call it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a Tottenham win. <clears throat> Harry Kane. Well, Adebayor can't do it anymore, can he? I don't know, his mum's hexed him. <laughs> uh, Man City Everton is the late kickoff. Mark, what do you reckon? This is going to be an absolute thrashing. Manchester City. No, you win. always beat them. No, no, that that's. Right now, I w- they're coming into form. I'm, I'm panicking already about the thought of watching Sylvan Distan try and stop Sergio Aguero. Now oh, you so, and Jagielka will sort him out, won't you? I can't. I can't see this being anything other than a good old-fashioned shellacking. Really? Yeah, I think it's going to be a four-four-nil, five-nil, maybe. That's how bad we are playing at the minute. Really? You're going to watch Strictly instead. <laughs> I'm thinking I might go to B&Q or something like that No, I was going to mention this to you The other week you were talking about Christmas shopping And you said B&Q Who do you mm-hmm. buy presents for from B&Q at Christmas? Um, I'll probably buy myself like a, a gallows and noose shortly If it doesn't start improving <laughs> That's it. You're not buying Mrs Godfrey things from B&Q at Christmas <laughs> Oh no, I'm not going to buy a thing, no No, oh, good man You're going to get her a jigsaw or something not, not unless it's one of the ones of like the haywaying by constable that you put together yourself. That kind of jigsaw. Oh, fair enough. I wanted to pick you up on it, but you're off the following week. Uh, so you're going to go in Man City. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, Emma. Yeah, I'm going to go for Man City as well. I don't think it will be as bad as Mark is imagining, mm. but I don't think Everton will get anything. No, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Manchester City as well. Uh. West Ham Swansea, the Chico Flores derby, if you remember this last season. Hmm. This is the first game of Sunday. Emma, you've not gone for a draw yet. Why not? Oh, well, I don't know why not. You're the one that's predicting it. 
this I think this will be a draw. Ah, you see, I've got into your head now. I think I don't think it's going to be the most exciting thing. No, you think it's going to be a draw, do you? Mm. Okay. Well, I think West Ham might grind Swansea down, even though I think Swansea are the better football team. So I'm going to go for West Ham. Mm, I think you're right. Andy Carroll is back. Uh, Aston Villa versus Leicester is a four o'clock kickoff on Sunday. The Brian Little derby. I think I mean, we've said eight, eight goals Aston Villa have scored so far this season. Uh, they are currently in 12th place. Now, Leicester, we said two points out of the last 27 are bottom. Has it got nil-nil written all over it? <laughs> it could very well do. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. I don't see it being a, a great game. I don't know. I've got the feeling there's going to be some goals in this one. I think Villa will win this one. I'm going to go for Villa as well, just to upset Mark. <laughs> I, I just think it'll be zero. I think it's nil-nil or one-one. I think both teams won't will, will feel that they've got too much at stake to to even to go for it too much in case they get beat. You know, the two managers are both a little bit under pressure. No Roy Keane. They'll they'll want to collect a, a, <laughs> some points rather than no points. So for me, I would say a draw, but. Mm. Like I say, this season I'm terrible, so... No Roy Keane. Even less reason to go and watch. <laughs> uh, finally, got Monday Night Football. Southampton versus Manchester United. Um, which Wallace was this, Mark? Was it Rodney Wallace that went to United and Southampton? Man United Southampton was uh, Danny Wallace. Danny Wallace, there you go, the Danny Wallace derby. Um, this is actually at St Mary's, so it's not as clear-cut as uh, in United's favour as you might originally thought. They've got a massive injury list as well, United, haven't they? Mm. Southampton have come up against the good teams lately, haven't they? And everyone's been waiting for their bubble to burst and maybe this is it. But They played OK the other day against Arsenal, I thought. Yeah, I, I might actually go for Southampton. I'm thinking of doing the same thing, actually. I'm going to do the same thing. Which leaves Emma an open goal to go for Manchester United. Yeah, I think you're going to have to. Yeah. I think that pin is just resting on their bubble at the moment. Yeah, your schadenfreude side is about to appear. <laughs> OK, well, we'll see how those get on um, over the weekend. The guys will be reviewing that on the uh, the Sunday show and we'll see how we have done. Has anybody got anything they wish to mention or plug or talk about? Nope. Nope. Mark? No, nothing new. Nothing new. OK, OK. Right, that um, brings this podcast to a close. Um, like I said, Ross and the guys will be back on uh, Monday for um, that will be available for download on Monday for their review of the weekend's games, and uh, they'll also go into sort of depth of the championship of the lower leagues like they normally do. Um, Manofthepost.com is the website. Should you wish to uh, log on there, there's been some good articles up on there this season. Uh, if you wish to review us, I'm trying to get a, a, a push for some uh, reviews for this podcast. If you are listening, please make an effort to. Uh, leave us a review all the reviews are great for received any five star reviews will get a uh, bridge magnet from Colin so I'm going to try and get push for a few reviews on there on the iTunes account in the next few weeks you can download us from there if you wish to follow us on Twitter it's at Man on the Post Mark if you wish to follow you how do they follow you? Uh, it's at the Football Pink and you Emma? at Mwebs at Mwebs right excellent okay so have a good weekend guys and all that remains to be said is always leave your Man on the Post Numbers from the fall. They were founded 12 years ago by singer Marky e. Smith as one of the beacons of northern punk, and all that time have hung in there, constantly shifting their sound. They're not the sort of band whose importance can be measured by chart success. Rather, they've remained consciously aloof and independent, steadily touring and recording albums. Their devoted following includes John Peel, who only this week chose one of their songs for his Desert Island Discs. Here they are in collaboration with Mixmaster's Cold Cut, The Fall. Yeah. How 
dare you assume I wanna play with you Sorry to be so short with you Advertisements for your ocean.